study the young girls. Yeah, study this. Okay, what's going on, motherfuckers? We're back for one night only, maybe. I I don't know. I haven't done an intro in a minute because um, we kind of just start characteristically at this point just fell off of the face of the planet for a little bit. I uh, wanted to talk about the fights, but uh, stuff got in the way. Um, but we're back. Uh, fucking UFC 294 Abu Dhabi card mostly kind of UAE market dudes against uh, squash matches or or at least uh, fights where the UFC thinks that's what's going on and uh, I mean the top two fights on the card have fallen out at the last minute but it being one of the biggest events of the year you know, the UFC couldn't just throw in some fucking contender series guys to fight for the lightweight title. So the cards ended up being kind of maybe better now. Uh, we got Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky too. It was a fight that was awesome the first time and a fight that a lot of us were saying, oh, man, maybe Volk could have won that and we'd probably pick him in a rematch, but now he's getting it. Super short notice. Hamza Shmaev was supposed to be uh, fighting Paulo Costa. Costa pulled out because it was like a, it was a race to see like which guy was going to pull out of that fight first. Uh, we got Kamara Usman stepping up to middleweight to take that one. Again, super interesting fight, and I'm interested to see a uh, Kamara Usman at middleweight, but maybe some questions about where he's at as well. So. I don't know, like theoretically interesting, like super compelling fights that could end up just being like one-sided and stupid and not interesting at all. Christian, what do you think Volkanovski needs to build on from the first fight in order to like actually make this a winning fight? And do you think he can do it on like two weeks notice? I think he can do it. It's just, uh, it throws a bit of a monkey wrench in any analysis you can do on what adjustments he's probably going to make based off of that. Because there's certain things that he's physically going to have to, like, navigate now. I mean, he was I'm sure he's already in the gym. He seems like a guy that just kind of stays in shape year-round. But he wasn't, he, he's a big planner. Like, he hasn't, he probably hasn't drilled any of the things that he was drilling in preparation for the last fight. Or at least drilled it a lot less. Uh, he's, I Physically, I think it's going to be the biggest difference because he was preparing for a fight at 145, and now he's going to be fighting up a weight class in a matchup where he needs his strength a bit more than he was going to need it against Tapuria. Because the in all likelihood, he was probably just in camp for Tapuria at this point already. So he's he's just going from being at the beginning of a camp to now just being in a fight against a guy that's much larger and much less powerful. It's also entirely possible that you know the UFC. G- does tend to keep like backup fighters lined up in case title fights fall out. Gamrot was the fighter who was going to make weight. Oh, um, they just fucked him over. They're just like, "Hey, fuck you, Gamrot." I mean, this is like better than that, so I'm fine with it. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a, a more interesting fight. I, I think Gamrot winning by a series of robberies and a knee explosion TKO. Yeah, but but the to answer the first part of your question, I think that. Body shots are a big aspect of, of his path to victory going forward, especially just against someone much larger than him. I, he was doing well in tie-ups and in the clinch in their first fight, so I think he can build on that as long as the strength doesn't come into play too much. Uh, it's something that he made a big facet of his training for the first Makhachev fight was he was getting strong as shit he wanted to be able to compete with a, a lightweight that's very physical so in this fight he he may have not been doing as much but his cardio might be better maybe but i i never doubt his cardio anyways because he's at best able to pace himself and at worst able to just fucking go hard if he needs to yeah i'm also not sure how it's physically possible for a human's cardio to be better than volks was in that first fight 
Yeah, he, he is probably going to go at a fucking insane pace. He was uh, out scrambling Makachev and beating his ass and taking him down in the fifth round of that fight. Yeah, and, and traditionally, the way that Volk talks about his fights going into it, he doesn't actually talk bullshit. He just kind of says what he plans on doing, and then he uh, succeeds at doing what he was planning to do to varying effect. Like, he'll he'll say, oh yeah, I'm going in there to fucking knock Max Holloway out. And then he was trying, it's just really hard, you know? He's, he's not going to fight like an idiot, he's, he's going to do his best to, uh, within reason. And then for this fight, he's saying, I need to go in and beat the fucking shit out of him because he's like at the end of his training camp and I'm just coming off the couch. So it, the, all the pressure's on him to beat me. I'm just showing up to like, I'm the good guy. It's a lose-lose situation for him. Which is a little true, but if Makashev wins, it's still so fucking impressive because Volkanovski, uh, like fresh out of waking up and off of a meth bender is probably better than like 85% of the UFC roster. Yeah, I th- I do think it's extremely unlikely that Volk's just so unprepared and didn't have his, the time to get his shit together that Makachev just comes in and donkey kongs him in the first round. I think between the two, Volkanovski's way more likely to have tried to work on his game plan going into a second potential fight because I'm pretty sure Makachev was more or less just expecting to not have to fight him again because he figured he'd retire before then. Like, that's a, a thing that has been circulating is that Makachev plans on retiring after a few more fights. So he probably just figured, oh, I just, you know, beat Charles again and then beat whoever else and then retire. Yeah, whereas you 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 know that Volk was coming off of that first fight thinking, God damn it, I nearly had him. Yeah, he, he, and he thinks he won as well. I'm gonna fucking get him next time. Yeah, I, I believe he said that he thinks he won the fight, which... You know, fair enough. I didn't score it for him, but I, I get the, like, I get what he's saying. It was a very close fight, and it could have gone either way, depending on you know a, a few sequences changing. Yeah, and Volk, you know, he's not someone who I expect to go. Well, I think that I won that fight, so I'm just going to do the same thing and not make any adjustments because he he's not fucking he's not an idiot. He's the best strategist in the sport, and I think there are, I think there's things that he happened upon over the course of that fight that he didn't anticipate going into it that he definitely can and will build on in this performance yeah like the uh the counters by makshev something that i mean we've seen him counter people like he's generally more of a counter striker but he had not looked that crisp with his counter punches in his prior fights he was good but he he didn't look as like mechanically correct or like his timing didn't look as sharp as that he just looks like the best version of himself against Volk in their first fight so it's fair enough for him to like get kind of caught off guard by that and that those couple counters are kind of what won Maksha of the fight overall They're just single instances of things that Volkanovski has traditionally been able to adapt for, to and uh, during and after a fight I guess something that I've was slightly concerned about Volk's approach and certainly uh, particularly the first few rounds of their last fight uh, was the way he kind of seemed to abandon his normal building process. Not quite sure if is it the, the super dedicated Southpaw thing? Is it uh, also the wrestling threat? Is it the fact that the guy turned out to be a way better counterpuncher than anyone really seemed to think at the time. Um, but he really seemed to get stuck in the old-fashioned MMA brain approach of, uh, well, committing to anything is actually really fucking dangerous, so I need to go like full reward on everything and try and just leap across distance and fucking blast him with something. He was going for a ton of like, like big shifting right hooks. And I was like, I expected him to just still use his jab and low kicks. And he kind of didn't that much. Um, and I mean, I think kind of as you maybe alluded to earlier, uh, uh, one of the big adjustments he made was just throwing straight shots to the body. And I think that was how he dropped Makachev in the fifth round was he just dinged him on a level change, throwing a straight shot. Uh, to the midsection, I'd just like to see more of that. More just normal ranged attrition tools and straight shots to the body. 
Yeah, and, and something that is actually kind of the reason that I would, I'd, I'd like to talk about what Makhachev needs to do now uh, is that he was preparing to fight Charles Oliveira, who is about as different physically as you can get from from Volkanovski. And he was towards the end of the training yeah, camp. Yeah, he also already beat way easier than these two people. Yeah, but it, it's it's just as hard of a fight. I think he has a higher chance of getting knocked out no, it is. against uh, Charles. Like, Charles is more singularly dangerous. It's just maybe a lower percentage chance for him to actually beat Makhachev than Volk is. Certainly. Um, so he, he went from working on fighting someone that is a really long power hitter who tends to put on combinations and pressure very aggressively and it, he's hittable and he's kind of tall. So it kind of changes like the, the dynamic for the stance and uh, like range matchup. Uh, and, and also he's more likely to press the grappling himself than Volkanovsky is, even though he's a very good uh, offensive grappler as he showed by beating Makhachev in the fifth round. Uh, but you, if you're preparing for Charles, you're preparing for someone that kind of just always fights the same, even if he does better or has little wrinkles added to his game. He's just so good at that. Yeah, it's all tactical yeah. adjustments for Charles. He doesn't really make big strategic adjustments. Yeah, versus training for a guy that could fight completely fucking differently depending on the night, if he thinks that he has a better chance of winning a certain way than another way. Because he had not fought anyone like he fought Makhachev in the first fight. Like, that was some of the lowest volume he's thrown in the first four rounds in his uh, like in his career at the top level of the UFC. And do you have any thoughts as to why that is and to why, as I say, he he didn't really use his go-to weapons as much and why he really seemed to be just looking for big knockout shots for the first couple of rounds? I, I think it's because he thought it would work. Uh, <laughs> like I, I don't necessarily think it was a bad idea. I think he just expected Makashev to be a little bit worse of a striker than he was on the night because if he did his due diligence and prepared... He would have known that Makhachev is an okay striker, but like not that good, and that's kind of how he fought him. Uh, but then Makhachev just had the best striking performance of his career, so I think a bit of that caught him off guard. And then as he adapted throughout the fight, he had to navigate not just the adjustments around what Makhachev was doing tactically, but just how much payoff he got physically from it, because Makhachev hits really hard, because he's 155 pounds, and Volkanovski is not 155 pounds generally. He still, like, jabbed and low-kicked Korean Zombie way more than this before he just knocked him the fuck out. Oh, yeah, but also, he's, that guy has dramatically slower reactions and is a bit shorter, and uh, he's easier to, to ding with shots, and he's less of an imposing grappler. I just mean, that wasn't a matchup where he was like, oh, I can just knock this guy out, let me go do that real quick. He's still just like went through his process that he always goes through. Yeah, I think it's because that was a really easy path for him to just win convincingly and beat the shit out of him. Whereas Makashev, it very much could work and he could build off of it, but I, I think when like weighing the pros and cons of going for his normal approach versus trying out something new, he probably just figured that trying this approach would be a bit more consistent. Also, it's it's just like a tough ask to go up another weight class uh, and fight your normal game without feeling the power that you have. Like he he probably went up to one fifty five. Was like, wow, I feel like I'm fucking like dent in the bag now. So I just need to get some good shots in, and also you know stamina purposes. Going up a weight class when you're five six is not an easy task, even if you're a unit. Being five six at at one or probably like five five at one fifty five, it means you got to be a fucking special unit, and anyone's gonna get tired eventually if they're going for like a really consistent jabbing, low kicking, and like switching stances all the time, trying to show power punches still, but a lot of throwaways. Like it's still it's gonna wear on you more. And he seemed fast, uh, like as ever, but he also, I don't, he, he didn't seem like his being fast coming up a weight class was that much of an advantage for him. Just, it, it just seemed like his most, uh, kind of high risk, high reward kind of approach, which I is just not how I generally expect Alexander Volkanovsky to fight. And I think regardless of like going up in weight and style matchup and stuff, like 
because he is the best strategist and best just adjuster in the sport. But still just like do the stuff that you're good at that wins you fights in every fight, you know? I get what you mean. I, I think that parts of the performance were exactly what he should be doing, just implemented uh, slightly uh, like unsuccessfully. Like I'm putting power on Makachev, probably a good thing to do, it, but he should have pressured while doing it. Uh, looking for huge single shots, probably pretty good, but you need to put a lot of volume behind that to, to make the single shots crazier. You need more to fill the space between those shots and and you know make them more surprising when they do come. Yeah, it does just... Volk doesn't prefer to do his inside low kick and jabbing game against a southpaw. I mean, he's not bad at it by any stretch. It's just not his preference, and it's a really hard fight. Bakshev's good at like yanking your your leg out from under you if if you're a bit too aggressive about showing the kick. Uh, also, he, it seemed like he just wanted to step into big power because the range was getting to him because it is kind of the longest fighter he's fought. Yeah, I think it was a big combination of things, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be whenever a fight's that top level, where it's like two of the best fighters in the entire sport fighting each other. Yeah, it's it, it, it's never going to be as simple as just like, oh, fuck, this guy stands different at this level. It shouldn't be anyway. Yeah, so Makhachev's just a, an awkward style matchup for him that I think it's really hard for Volkanovsky to look uh, slick. But I think it's power. It's possible for him to look dominant. I I could see him just going forward, battering the body, getting like under Makhachev when Makhachev's trying to tie up with him and just rip into the body or like hoisting him off the ground and moving him. Uh, it's just I could also on the flip hand or flip side see Makhachev just looking more prepared because he had a full camp and uh, putting combo combo counter uh, counter combinations on him. Because Makhachev has also the potential to just get a takedown early and submit uh, Volkanovski while they're dry, since Makhachev has not been training to fight him uh, for the for like this bit of the camp. Yeah, it's just what I really don't uh, want to see, and what I don't expect, but what is, is always still a possibility is Volk just kind of gets wiped out in like the first scramble. Yeah, it'd suck, but uh, I would I, I would not be crazy surprised. I could see basically any result happening in this fight feasibly, especially after how the first fight went. Makhachev and Volk showed they could hurt each other. Volk showed that he can kind of get the best of Makhachev on the ground pretty substantially if he gets uh, if he's given an inch, and Makhachev can submit anyone. So, uh, like, no result would really surprise me. And also, they made it to a decision, so either guy really could just win one more round the other guy or or even pitch a shutout. So we're both going to pick Volkanovski by like first round knockout, right? I'm going to say third round knockout. I think it's actually going to be a, a brawl in spots. Not in like the traditional sense, you know, because neither guy is a traditional brawler, but I think it's going to be a lot of interesting exchanges and I think they're both going to fight at a higher pace than they normally would because Volkanovski is probably going to want to put the pace on him since it's I think is his best chance of winning on short notice. Coming out fast and fucking him up while you're still fresh. Because if, if you had a, a shorter training camp, you're about just as good for the first three rounds. Or, or like first two rounds, depending on how much cardio you have. Or how good your cardio generally is. But later on in the fight, that's when the real shit starts getting difficult. So Makhachev's probably going to try and want to get Volk tired into a, like take him deep into a five-run fight. So he'll probably start fast. And then Volkanovski's probably going to start fast because he wants to beat him up early. So I think each guy's approach is going to lend itself towards giving the other guy their best fight. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. I I, I think Volkanovski third round KO um, as like an accumulation of him getting good damage to the body. Because if we're seeing he should hit the body more than I'm sure he is. Yeah, it's one of those, he just needs to come out like it's the sixth round of the first fight. Okay, so co-main event, Kamaru Usman stepping up short notice to fight Kamzat Shmaev midweight. A fight that is really hard to honestly to just analyze normally, because 
it has so many fucking weird X factors. I am interested to see Kamara Usman at middleweight, but I'm just not a hundred percent sure where he's at right now. Um, think it'd be kind of stupid to say Kamara Usman is just shot now because he lost twice to a hard style matchup and a very good fighter in both in you know realistically both very competitive fights yeah and it, it, we have no reason to think that Kamara was just gonna walk through Usman on the ground like Usman still has only been taken down like what once in his entire UFC career and it was by Leon and then Leon didn't get him on the ground uh, in a, a good spot the entire rest of the fight. Yeah, because I think Leon kind of just surprised Usman and immediately got a really good position on him, and Usman was kind of like, oh, fuck. And Usman, er, Leon is really fucking good in, like, yeah. several areas. Like, I'm, him from, from like, top mount is probably as good as Kamaev in top mount. Just Kamaev is a lot more deep of a, a grappling system. Yeah, and Leon is like huge. Like, yeah. you know, Covington is very good at taking people down. And when Kamara Usman was expecting him to take it down, just sprawled the absolute shit out of him. Yeah, Usman, the type of dude that I'm sure got taken down like at least 15 times in his entire time training with Michael Johnson, but probably never gave a takedown to Michael Chandler. And I like uh, middleweight for Usman as he gets older, to be honest, because. In a way, I think it'd be concerning for him going up to middleweight if I thought he really needed to still have his like high pace pressure wrestling performances. And you know, he really kind of like pulled that stuff back out in the Leon fights. But I think that was just because that was the play. That was how he needed to beat Leon. That was how he beat Leon in the first fight. And that's a way to get that's just the way for him to get to a guy like that is just to constantly swarm him into the cage and just spam takedowns and just not give him time to set up range or get anything off. Uh, but in general, I don't think Kamaru Usman really wants to have any of that. I don't really think he wants to have that kind of fight anymore if he can help it. I think he is generally developed into a more of a like pretty, honestly, pretty crafty ranged boxer at this point. Um... Always, clearly always been a respectable hitter because he's just a huge power monster. Um, he was just a big stiff idiot and he couldn't like surprise anyone. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot to his striking just getting more fluid through repetition as his career got on. Because yeah, his hooks still look fucking terrible, but like the one left hook he landed on Colby was pretty nice. If he's comfortable in an exchange, he, he can he can hurt you really bad. But if you like if he has to kind of go outside of the norm, he'll just kind of like wing shit and then not really hit too hard. I, I think Gamaya is likely to give him the type of striking exchange that he's going to want. I think in a lot of other matchups, Usman's probably actually going to feel like pretty fucking fast at middleweight and he's just going to be like decking everyone. Gamaya uh, is a blazingly fast middleweight. He, he has his own like perfectly functional like pressure kickboxing game like he has you know he he's quick and powerful and he has like pretty good mechanics and he has an ever-present takedown threat and he obviously he's great at like just shooting lightning fast double legs uh off of his kicks and all the terrifying chain wrestling and smothering top control stuff would be kind of surprising if he just Fucking smushed Kamaru Usman, right? Yeah. Like I think if this fight, if if this fight was like two years ago at middleweight, uh, at welterweight, I think I would pick Kamaru Usman very comfortably. It's just I'm not. I just I don't know entirely how I'm expecting to Kamaru Usman to be turning up in this fight. Looking, you know. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I have I had the feeling for a long time that uh, Hamzat Chimaev is, uh fucking unreliable space case and a dumb idiot and he's just insanely talented so it's just weird i don't know anything could happen in this fight i really don't even know how to go about a, like the, the actual stylistic aspects of it yeah kamaev is one of the more difficult fighters to analyze rationally because he is 
of course, incredibly talented, but he's also ridiculously inconsistent. His performances against someone that is garbage, he will just do whatever he wants, and whenever he's doing that, it's pretty consistent. But whenever you push him, you really don't know what the fuck is going to happen. He had like, an insane scramble with Kevin Holland and didn't even almost entertain the grappling uh, or entertain the striking. He just kind of grabbed onto him and then had a, a goofy-ass series of exchanges leading to the a... Fight was- Fight was made on twenty four hours notice as well. Yeah, yeah. Like whenever he's forced to just do something, his performances are a lot different than whenever he's kind of just allowed to do whatever the moment tells him to do. Uh, like the the Gilbert Burns fight, Gilbert put on like a pretty good performance and was really hard to to like walk through. He he had to go to war to him, so. It, it ended up in a kind of crazy fight that Kamayev does not have another example of him being in a fight where that happened. Uh, some of his fights before he even got to the UFC, he looked like a slick counterpuncher because he was fighting someone bad enough for him to be able to do that comfortably. Or uh, people that kind of fed into some of his counter styles. Or, or, or kind of have like issues with his counter combination style. Uh, then, you know, you look at his first three fights in the UFC and he just kind of walked through people that are garbage. That he could really easily just get on top of and punch the shit out of and choke. Yeah, he just splattered Gerald Mearshart in 17 seconds because Gerald Mearshart is old and glacially slow. Yeah, and, and Kamayev does not fight very regularly. And for a while, people were wondering if he was going to retire because of COVID complications. So you just you just never know where his head's at. And Yeah, uh, and just all of the fucking shit that happened with the Nate Diaz fight uh, that got that whole card moved around at last minute notice and he didn't even really seem to have an explanation for it and didn't seem to give a fuck like there's always just like does he even want to do this or is he just fighting because um uh uh, evil chechnyan warlord dude wants him to uh and also i was pretty sure i had an idea of what could happen in the costa fight so you cannot uh, again. The short nose replacement could not be more different than the person he was originally fighting. Goes for fighting a guy that's primarily a, a volume puncher that throws hooks uh, and is hard to take down because he's pressuring you so relentlessly. And he just uh, is fucking massive. He's guys like uh, he he probably would be on fight night like two twenty five. Yeah, and now he's fighting someone that's a lot more strategically adaptable, but in the same vein, he's also just easier to wipe out in, like, just on physicality difference, uh, and also age. Because Paulo Costa, I don't think he's shot. I think he's just weird. I think he's probably perfectly fine physically. He's just a bit of a weird dude. And then Usman, he's definitely past it, but uh, and, and like he he got knocked out recently, so you're always going to think that maybe he has a higher chance of getting knocked out now. And Kamai is the exact type of fighter that I think does have a good chance of knocking out Usman as a win condition. So I, I, I just wonder if Kamai has spent his entire camp working on his grappling or if he just figured he would tune up cost on the feet. Because both were pretty like possible options. Kamai is a really good striker. Uh, at, at this point, at least. Uh, I, I could definitely see him giving a hard fight to most people on the feet now. So it's just awkward because the the dynamic on the feet is so different between Costa and Usman versus Kamayev that I I just wonder how that's going to affect his approach or if he's just going to kind of phone it in and, and go go forward, punch him a bunch, see what happens in exchanges. I'm almost certain whatever the approach is, he's going to try to just blow Usman out. Yeah, it, it, if Usman gets through the first round, I think his chances of winning are like 90% higher. No one just fucking blows out Kamara Usman. No, we haven't even seen Kamara fight anyone that's remotely competent in the clinch. No, oh, and he struggled mightily with Gilbert Burns, who put on a courageous performance. It was an awesome fight. And, you know, Gilbert Burns is like a great wrestler and. Like a capable counterpuncher with just like very fast hands and, and, and big power, but he's also a former lightweight who's been like finished several times. Yeah, and uh, if you're looking at 
someone that could probably keep Kamayev on the feet against the cage in the clinch for a long period of time, it's, it's Usman. Usman's hard to take down in all phases. He's, he's easier to take down in the clinch, maybe, but we've seen him taken down in the clinch once. And it's by the best clinch fighter in, at welterweight. So it, it's like a... It's just a tough task for Kamayev to be able to reliably get him on the ground. And that's even... That's even assuming that he gets a winning fight while grappling with him, not just getting the takedown. Because what if they end up on the ground and then Usman's just like, yeah, dude, I'm pretty fucking good at getting top position as well. And I'm really strong. Because Kamayev might be getting taken down. I I wouldn't be surprised. He he might get beat the fuck up uh, against the fence and get, like, volume boxed and get forced to go backwards against Usman. Yeah, it's just another one of those. I kind of hope it's not just instant and one-sided and just kind of lame and seem like a waste of time. Like, if if Shemayev just goes up and just fucking donks Usman in the first round, it'll just be like, ah, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to pick Usman by decision. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I definitely want to pick Kamayev by first round, like, either knocking him horribly unconscious or just looking like he's ten times better at wrestling than he is, because, or than Usman is because of the, the context of the fight happening. But yeah, I, I think that's possible. Uh, and I just think if... Even, even though Shemayev's obviously, like, a, a great, awesome, exciting fighter and I wouldn't want to, like, detract from a win over a guy like Kamaru Usman or anything, I do think if he just gets wiped out, then that's pretty clear, like, Kamaru Usman is probably not going to be sticking around the elite level of either division anymore. Uh, which, which is a shame, because, like, uh, Kamaru Usman kind of really won me around towards... Uh, the end of his title reign after not liking him for a long time. <laughs> yeah, then in uh, goofier news, Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker, I'm picking Johnny Walker to win a lamed-out decision where he mostly faints and then gets a single takedown. Um, yeah, I mean, if Magomed Ankalaev isn't stupid, he should just kind of easily torch Johnny Walker. Oh yeah, this should be the easiest fight for him in the entire division, but but it's not going to be. <laughs> yeah, MMA has a way. Magomed, recently, we've just seen some shit. Magomed Ankalaev really might not win this, just on the fact that his striking's a bit rote, and Johnny Walker, when he's on his shit, is annoying as fuck for someone that is very rote and has kind of a traditional sense of, uh, li- like, a hierarchy of strikes they want to go for. Yeah, Johnny Walker still isn't, like good, but he is developing a weird kind of Michelle Pereira kind of thing where if you're just like huge and athletic as shit and you just have a bunch of fights, eventually you kind of just figure some stuff out. Yeah, because you know, we're, we're going to talk about Michelle Pereira's last uh, like fight last week later. So the comparisons really don't end there. I believe they train together. But do they? Or at least have trained at least have trained together. Michelle Pereira isn't a fucking SBG island, is he? No, no. But I believe they have trained together. Either way, the 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 comparisons are super obvious. Like they're both goofy, athletic as fuck, and do stupid shit that uh should not work but does work because they're so powerful. And that's really all you need to know about this matchup. And this is another one, it's like where is Magomed Ankalaev at? Is he still just like is he trying? Is it? Does he just want to like fight out his UFC contract and go fight an ACA or some shit? Is he still just like salty about the draw and doesn't even want to be in the UFC anymore? Because like he should just he should just be able to like roll up on Johnny Walker and just pressure him and then kick him and then hit him with a left straight and knock him out. And if that doesn't work instantly, then he can just like take him down and beat him up. Uh, Johnny Walker trains at an actually good jiu-jitsu gym now, so yeah, I don't know. He, he might be able to compete in the grappling for long enough to make Uncle I look bad. Oh my god, what if he triangles him? Oh, that'd be fucking hilarious. That that would probably be the funniest result, but I, I think the most likely result is just Johnny Walker does like a flying knee, and then he has the longest fall ever, and the world goes into slow motion as he sees Uncle I winding up for a huge right straight that's going to hit him as he lands. And we see... 
uh, Johnny Walker do something in, in line with like Crash Bandicoot being un, un knocked out, or uh, or maybe even like Sly Fox. Some old PS One game, he's gonna get knocked out like the death animation. But what if Johnny Walker does the flying knee and like it doesn't land? But also he doesn't die, and then Ankle is just like, "Whoa, I, I'm not too sure about all that." And then he gets put off and doesn't want to pressure. And then Johnny Walker is just like weird and moves a lot and does front kicks from nine thousand feet away, uh, and just wins a decision. This for I fucking- think Ankle is just a little bit too boring to actually get scared off. I don't know, dude. like personality wise, he just. He just, he just takes his eyes off the road so much. He nearly got knocked out by Tiago Santos. Yeah, Tiago Santos is a lot more consistent, though. He is, which is a horrible thing to say. You know, like he had to, this is sick. How he had to get his legs chopped off before he remembered to just take down Jan Blahovic. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, am I am I having more faith in the consistency of Johnny Walker at this point? I understand the urge, but you know, each of the people that he's looked kind of goofy against, despite having a pretty clear win condition, it's it's still like better fighters than Johnny Walker by a lot. And if, even if Johnny Walker does everything right in this fight, he might just lose. Whereas Mago Nakalaev has to do everything wrong in this fight to lose. Yeah, but he might. He might, but I'm gonna bet on both guys to do about their average performance, uh, which should just add up to still Magomed Ankalaev winning easily. Yeah, because I, I feel like a flaw in my analysis prior has been either expecting people to do the worst that they normally could do or the best they normally could do. When it tends to be they just do about what they always do, roughly in the middle. If you look at all their fights, with like some exceptions that allow Bobby Green to knock out Ally Quinta. Or Grant Dawson, for that matter. That too. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just upper weight MMA is a trash fire. Um, In a very Nick fun Kermalis, way. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, it's, it's cool. It's just it's, it's goofy as fuck. Uh, Ikram Alaskaron is fighting Wally Alves. Short notice, he's going to wipe him off the face of the planet. Um, although, this is a theme on this card, and this is something we've seen before. Old ass Brazilians fighting Russian dudes. Yeah, that is some pretty concrete analysis. Um, yeah, I'm thinking Ikram's gonna big him. Then he's gonna big and youth him. I think both of those things are gonna happen. Uh, Said Namagamedov fighting Mui Gafarov. I'm picking Said really comfortably. I think he's going to walk through him in, in probably a spinny and choky way. Yes, this is one of aforementioned layups for uh, one of these guys. Uh, Mohamed Mikhaev is fighting Tim Elliott. And that fight is awesome. Uh, this, is what, uh, no, this is what I was talking about now. Maybe the UFC thinks this is a layup, but maybe they don't know who Tim Elliott is. Yeah, well, they're going to find the fuck out who Tim Elliott is. Weirdly, at this point in his career, even though he's kind of pretty old, maybe the most consistent he's ever been and just like doing stuff round to round and just d- doing enough, but also not going fucking bananas and like getting tired and running out of ideas. Cause Tim Elliott is just like, like what even like archetype of fighter can you describe Tim Elliott as he's just pure vibes, you know, he's <laughs> <coughs> just a fucking competitor. But yeah, he's uh, I- I- extremely crafty and, an absolute nightmare to scramble with and just like weird and does, does stuff all the time. And he's really hard to put away. Um, and he's got um, a, a bit of momentum. I don't know. Tim Elliott versus, uh, Tajiri Lambekov is still just one of the funniest fucking fights I've ever seen. Cause Tim Elliott is just being absolutely filthy and Khabib is getting so tilted in Ulanbekov's corner and just getting absolutely furious and shouting at the ref. Uh, uh, and Tim Elliott just gets away with all of it, and I, I loved every second of it. Um, I don't have any actual analysis of this fight other than that I love Tim Elliott, and he's awesome. Yeah, my strongest analysis is that I just cannot imagine a world in which Tim Elliott is old enough to lose to a 23-year-old. It's not real analysis, but, I mean, 
tell me that's not real analysis after you watch the fight and he fucking grandfathers him. And how old was Brandon Royville when he subbed Tim Elliott? Young, but he's like an adult man. Whereas, M- M- yeah, Makayev's M- like uh, he's twenty three, but he has like strong nineteen years old energy, and uh, you know, just a huge step up from anyone Makayev has, fi- has fought or beaten. And he is a crafty, filthy old dog. Yeah, and, and Tim Elliott's uh, he's like a pretty large flyweight. He has troubles making the weight. Makayev similar, but he's just seems smaller to me. Yeah, Makayev's just part of like the new wave of dudes who weren't good enough to be bad in weight, so they cut more weight. Also, his style does not translate up a weight class if he doesn't have the, the physical traits he has at flyweight. Uh, I think Tim's just going to be really difficult for Makayev to get anything going with on the feet, and then whenever they grapple, it's just going to be <laughs> get, getting like old man jiu-jitsu'd. Trevor Peak's fighting a dude. Trevor Peak's hilarious. He's fighting the number 23 lightweight in the Middle East. So, probably going to be a decision. Or, or Trevor Peak's going to win by KO, is my guess. One of those two. If it's a decision, not sure who wins. If uh, it's a knockout, I'm sure it's Trevor Peak. He's got a good chance. Trevor Peak by a wonky standing hammer fist or some shit. I don't know. No, I think he's going to go for the up hammer fist. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about this fight other than just Trevor Peak is uh, funny as shit and you've got to watch him. Uh, oh, Victor Henry's fighting Javid Basharat buried on the prelims. That yeah. fight, kind of fucking ill as hell. That fight's really interesting. I think it's going to be a very aesthetically pleasing fight to watch, but I think the pace might actually end up being kind of low, just in part with... Just pretty much because they're both good enough to know the other guy's annoying to fight, so they're going to be more cautious than they normally would. Because both guys are capable of putting on pretty impressive volume performances, but they normally don't do that against guys that also put on volume. Yeah, but at the same time, I think uh, Victor Henry really needs to pressure in this fight, and he needs to press the clinch and just like work in transitions and. It doesn't, not necessarily crazy high volume, but not let Javid Basharat just come forward and put combinations together where he's at his best. And both guys are better going forward, but Victor Henry's probably better going backwards than, or, or worse going backwards than Javid is. Potentially, but uh, I, w- w- when it comes down to the old uh, man who go forward win dynamic, I tend to favor the guy who has the clinch advantage just because if both guys are trying to pressure, they're going to be crashing into each other. And I think Victor Henry's going to just have that in his back pocket to be able to stand his ground more. It's going to be a close-ass fight. Yeah, uh, we got Nathaniel fighting Mohamed Naimov. Uh, weird one. Mohamed Naimov is a uh, a lightweight. Have I seen Mohamed is... Is he the guy that... Oh, yeah, he is the guy who knocked out Jamie Malarkey. Rough fight for Wood just on size, but skill-wise, Nathaniel Wood's probably good enough to win. It's just a, it's an uphill battle. I mean, is Naimov... I guess he's normally a featherweight and just took a short notice to go dust Jamie Malarkey real quick? I, uh, I don't know entirely what's going on there, to be honest. Uh, but Nathaniel Woods, um, he beat Andre Feely. And if you can beat Andre Feely, then your problem definitely isn't that you're too small, you know? Uh, Bruno Silva is fighting Sharapudin Magomedov, who is a very hyped prospect that I believe has just had a delay to get into the UFC for a little while, even though he's been signed for a little bit. Um, people are talking about him being like a huge new prospect, but he doesn't look like he's, he he doesn't fight the way people are saying he fights. Every time I've watched, like I watched as as much tape as I could a few months ago, just to like see what was up. And he was perfectly fine. He throws a lot of volume kicks and he he does like a, a kind of vague Zabit impression on the feet but then isn't the same grappler as Zabit was. So 
yeah, well, uh, once again, I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick the washed Brazilian. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Bruno Silva just because he's fucking. He's like a good striker. Like it's just a difficult matchup for a guy that's main game is striking. Bruno Silva's hard to grapple if Sharpudin decides to go that route. Yeah, he just appears to be kind of slow and chinny out of nowhere, but he's still like dangerous and hits hard as fuck and puts really dynamic combinations together. Yeah, I, as of right now, I, I think Magomedov is overrated, and he has to kind of like if he wins comfortably, then I will uh, completely change my tune. But again, if he just goes up and donks Bruno Silva, it'll kind of just be like, yeah, that, that can happen. Maybe I don't know. I, I would be pretty impressed if he was able to fuck up. Uh, so he he doesn't seem like much of a power hitter to me, even though he has a good amount of finishes. It's mostly just volume and how much he can throw at someone, and that doesn't seem like the type of thing that's too much of a problem for Bruno Silva, assuming things are going well for him. Okay, so I guess we can do a little little bit of recap of the stuff from the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been a ton ton of extremely important, meaningful stuff that's happened in MMA in the time we've been away. But that was a while ago and there's been too much of it, so we're just going to talk about this fucking Edson Barboza card. Um, uh, Edson Barboza is the greatest fighter I've ever seen. I'd said that about Tim Means about three weeks ago. I meant it then, and I mean it this time as well. Uh, This fight was fucking awesome. You know, Sadiq Yusuf he knew what he needed to do against Edson, but it's just... Yeah, he could just only maintain it around. Yeah, and it's just fucking way harder to do than people think it is to actually just roll up on Edson and just get him galloping and fuck him up. You gotta fucking swarm his ass. Like, and, and Yusuf did a good job of that in the first round. He just... He started getting found out a bit on, like, where Edson could get a shot selection going. Yeah, and I mean, he said it himself. He just, when he got Edson hurt, he just didn't pick his shots well enough. Um, oh, yeah. A fight between two really bad finishers that hurt people a lot. He was just trying to, like, wing a big right hand and then wing a big left hook. Um, and it was working, particularly because he literally just, like, rolled up on Edson and blasted him with a right hand in the first, like, three seconds of the fight and just didn't really even allow Edson to get his shit together for the first round. It was an easy 10-8 first round. Even though Sadiq kind of gassed himself within like two minutes of it, and uh, Edson actually showed some surprisingly crafty guard work to get through the rest of that round. Um, I've seen Edson be pretty inactive off of his back in fights, but I think that tends to be uh, later in fights when people finally start getting good uh, takedown entries on him um, when he's gotten tired, like you know, it's like Bryce Mitchell or Danny Gay. And he still totally won that Danny Gay fight. Um, but I think just because of how much Barboza has lost, people think it's just like an easy thing to do. Like it's like an IQ test fight. And it's like, no, he's just been fighting for so long at a really high level and he fights so fucking much and he, you know he has one of those resumes where it's just like win or lose almost every guy is just like an absolute fucking murderizer yeah he's just flatly hard to beat he's too athletic to be a IQ test cuz he's he's too he has too good of hips to grapple unless you're actually a good grappler He's too durable to knock out unless you're actually good at knocking someone out. And he's too fast for you to like surprise him if you aren't genuinely sneaky. So Yeah, and he's like he's like pressurable, but only if you're really fucking good at it. And wrestleable, but only if you're really fucking good at it. Yeah, you you have to be an elite fighter or elite adjacent to be able to beat him no matter how good your approach is. He's beaten really good fighters that have tried good approaches that just they could not sustain or they couldn't even get going. People talk about the Dan Hooker fight as if Dan Hooker was just trying to be a rangy guy and in like kind of medium pressure. Him. No, he tried some shit. He just got fucking torched for it every single time he really got anything going. Uh, Paul Felder, he is just durable as shit. And he was getting some parts the best of Barboza, but... Uh, 
Barboza is just, he's too fucking durable for anything Paul Felder could be doing to really keep him going backwards. Yeah, Paul Felder didn't win that second fight. No. Shane Burgos was fucking trying his damnedest to get Barboza going backwards. But, you know, particularly these days at Featherweight, Barboza, I think he just feels like like a fucking big scary monster now and he he feels like like he can stand his ground more in exchanges and scare people and, off and he does not like going back it's not like you can just get him to start going backwards and then get more success against him you have to push him back the entire time it's a lot of work if you want to get him galloping backwards you have to be sprinting at him like Khabib you gotta be throwing 55 fucking punches at his face and, and also threatening a takedown threat like Bryce Mitchell was or you gotta be like able to hang with him in exchanges and be one of the more powerful guys in the sports history, like Justin Gaethje. You either got to just get him straight out of there, or you've got to really be able to maintain that kind of approach. And Sadiq, he just couldn't. Well, as soon as it got out of the second, I mean, this uh, the the second round was still competitive enough. You could argue that Sadiq won it, but Edson just started coming forward a lot more and getting his own stuff off. He started hitting the body a ton, which did a lot to like secure a cardio advantage for him down the stretch. He's clearly just always in the gym, no matter what, and he's just obviously stayed in insane shape. And he'll get tired in fights because, well, he'll get fucked up, and he has an extremely explosive style that is going to get you tired if you throw a bunch of full-power switch kicks and spin kicks. But he was just the craftier, more focused striker down the stretch. Clearly won the last three rounds, I thought, won the fourth, uh, second round as well. Again, arguable 10-8 in the third, where he kind of totally shut Sadiq out, and then nearly fucking took his head off with a classic Edson wheel kick towards the end of the round. Like, this guy just has the craziest wheel kick accuracy I have ever seen. Like, there's the famous knockout against Terry Etim, but, like, uh, he dropped Bobby Green with a wheel kick. He nearly deaded Anthony Andrakwani with a wheel kick. Uh, dropped Kevin Lee. Even, like, clipped Khabib and Paul Felder with them. He's landed on almost everyone he's fought, which is fucking insane. Unless he knocked them out before he could land it. Yeah, it's like only Tony Ferguson that just duke the shit out of it. Yeah, uh, it's he's not a, a like a IQ test. He's just a bit of a skill check. Like if you're really fucking good in one area, you can beat him if you approach it correctly. Uh, but if you don't have that, then he's just too well rounded and and athletic for you to be able to just kind of cheese him. Like. You can legit beat Jeremy Stevens like he's a, a boss fight in a game. You just gotta like jab him, wait for him to do his move. Like, he, he's like fighting a Dark Souls boss, you know? You will wait for him to charge you and then you sidestep at the last minute so he bounces off the cage and then that takes a, a chunk off of his health bar. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's a way you can beat Jeremy Stevens. And, you know, if you're really good, you can kind of fight him like Calvin Cater did where you let him have his game and still win. You know, if you're over leveled or something. You can you can just fuck him up, but you can't do that with Edson. You have to be a really fucking good fighter and go at him skill for skill. If you're you're not uh, either like a lights out grappler that can scare him, or like Giga Chikadze, who's just huge and has all of the problems that Edson's ever had with uh, like frame and, and power differences. Like he just doesn't. He, it's not like Giga Chikadze was winning that fight until he just suddenly fucking dunked Edson. No, it, and it's a example of the other type of fight that is lesser spoken about that Edson has troubles with, which is huge and long straight punchers like Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, Gigachikadze. Not necessarily about the directionality; he just doesn't like that frame. But yeah, he's an absolute treasure to the sport. Um, I hope he gets like a genuine like big fight off of this. You know, he's always been like, you know, it's crazy that he. He's never had like a short notice title fight or something with just how long he's been right there around the elite of the division. I, I'd love to see him just get a last crack at uh, 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 the real big guys of the division. Um, 
but before he really does age out, you know, like like kind of Korean zombie got against Vulcan Max. I think fighters of that level deserve that, you know. Yeah, uh, Viviana Araujo. If I sucked uh, uh, this podcast, it was exactly what you would expect it to be. Yeah, no, it was bad. But uh, uh, Jonathan Martinez chopped uh, Adrian Yanez's legs off. That was pretty. It wasn't that crafty. He just set up a leg kick a bunch and it all landed. Yeah. And like the fifth one he landed really hurt him. And then it just kept snowballing. Sick performance, though. Love Jonathan Martinez. He's great. He's awesome. Yanez needs to get better. He looked like the same fighter and then kind of just got his ass whooped. Yeah, still good, but uh, fatally flawed and needs to look at some stuff. Does not not like fighting fellow specialists. He's a lot better at feasting on someone that is well-rounded for their deficiencies rather than... Like, like if he goes against other specialists, like Jonathan Martinez is one of the best low kickers in the the division. So he he fucked him up with low kicks, and then Rob Vaughn's one of the best boxers in the division, so he fucked up Yanez with boxing. Yeah, so I think Yanez should have to fight uh, Chris Gutierrez next. (laughs) Yeah. Just be like, can you do it this time? Uh, no, that's mean. Uh, yeah, Michelle Pereira. Uh, he went up and punched Andre Petrovsky really fucking hard. That was cool. Michelle Pereira. Uh, clearly been a middleweight the whole time. Both he's fucking huge, and he's like a weird, janky, mega athlete specialist whose game doesn't make any sense. And he has like one lane that his game occupies, and he's not actually even that good at it. <laughs> But but he is fast as shit and huge. I don't know why he's been bothering cutting down to welterweight. Cause so I honestly Stephen Thompson uh, did him a favor because he is a born middleweight and a guy who hasn't finished anyone since you know Danny Roberts uh just went up and fucking blasted Andre Petrovsky instantly. Uh that 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 was neat. Christian Rodriguez beat Cameron Simon. Christian Rodriguez is neat. Yeah, people have been hyping Cameron Simon, but I've been hyping Christian Rodriguez, so this is real validating for me that uh, my guy just beat the shit out of him. Yeah, he uh, is buddies with Sergio Pettis, and you can see it. Yeah, Darren Elkins subbed TJ Brown after a bunch of scrambling. Oh, it was the sickest shit ever. It was the sickest shit. I love Darren Elkins. He's still winning somehow. Yeah, and uh, Terrence McKinney knocked someone out in 20 seconds. It was exactly what you'd think it was. He just kneed him in the face. He knocked out a guy making his debut. I mean, actually knocked him out in like seven seconds. Yeah. Uh, Chris Gutierrez kind of beat the fuck out of uh, Alatang Haley from range with straight punches and low kicks. It was a good fight. Uh, The fight should have been higher placed. It was a good fight. It absolutely should. Alatang Haley, he's a dangerous, like aggressive counterpuncher. Definitely, you know, Brought it to Chris Gutierrez the whole time, and Chris Gutierrez was just like super classy and consistent, like he always is. It was, it was a good fight. Also, uh, Bobby Green wiped Grant Dawson off of the face of the planet, and it was the funniest shit I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, we can't life. avoid mentioning that one. It, it's not relevant to right now, but it was fucking hilarious. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, we were talking to each other right before the fight happened, and then you were like, oh, I'm going to go uh, do something. Okay, talk to you later, man. And I was like, okay, later. And then fucking 45 seconds later, Bobby Green just boom, just knocks him out with a like a clipping straight. Oh, it was just it was like Bobby Green's like silliest, swaggiest, like tauntiest, hands downiest performance I've ever seen. Where I was just like, Are you even trying to win fights anymore? Are you just trying to look cool? And he was just like he just watches like 10 Roy Jones highlights before each fight and then goes out there. <laughs> He's not Roy Jones. He fucking looked like it in this fight. Okay. Well, that was dope as hell. Um, uh, maybe we'll do another podcast next week. I'd like to. We'll see what happens. We'll see you guys then, or we won't. Peace. <laughs>